hey you. Yeah, the one who's been ignoring their HVAC system again this year? Don't spend another season hoping your furnace works. Be sure with help from the team at Legacy. An annual tune-up keeps your furnace running safely and efficiently when you need it most. Visit LegacyHeatingAndAirInc.com for online scheduling and special offers and discounts. While you're there, sign up for an annual maintenance plan starting at just $13 a month. Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business. A Cook family business. Welcome to Football Never Sleeps, the aspiring to be viral Notre Dame football show that runs weekly, usually on Monday nights. We've been on Tuesdays for the past three weeks because of holidays and national championship games. We'll be back to our normal Monday routine next week unless there's a a reason to move it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we're planning on being here at 7 o'clock and we will be taking your questions. We'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, we got lots of Notre Dame football news. We're going to talk some about the uh, aftermath of the national championship, kind of what this means to Notre Dame in the big picture, get you caught up on all the transfer portal and recruiting stuff. Notre Dame uh, finished 14th in the Associated Press poll, the final poll one spot lower than they started. And then winter workouts and spring semester classes start a week from today. And with that, I'm going to hand it over to Tyler to tell you which bells to ring, which things to like, and how to ask questions. Well, ring all the bells. I know Christmas season is over, but it's always good to ring bells. Uh, but no, there should be a little uh, bell that can uh, sign you up for notifications that will be available to you if you have subscribed to our channel, which is free to do here on YouTube. Um, that will give you reminders when we have content. Uh, make, also, make sure to hit the like button. That helps um, us become more available to more people. Um, and and the pop will pop up on more feeds if you do that. So please do that. Um, if you want to submit questions to us during the show, which we will fit in between topics that Eric and I have, have laid out between the two of us, um, make sure that you've clicked through to YouTube. You will not be able to submit questions if you're watching us embedded somewhere, whether that's on InsideNDSports.com, the Insider Lounge, or somewhere on social media, you'll need to be interacting with us through the YouTube um, desktop site or um, mobile site or through the app of some kind. So um, if you are on a mobile uh, site or app, the chat box should be below our talking heads where you can submit questions. Um, and the chat box should be the right-hand side if you are on a desktop version. Um, and then one last thing before I send it back over to Eric is that we are continuing um, to offer a 30-day free trial of InsideNDSports.com to our YouTube audience. Uh, maybe you want to get smarter about Notre Dame football in 2024. We think this is a good way to do that. You can use promo code NDYT, which is exclusive to our YouTube audience, as I mentioned, when you sign up, and you will get free access to our premium analysis, our recruiting coverage, transfer portal coverage, uh, special access to us over on the Insider Lounge, which is where we're spend a lot of our time and where if we hear something that's where we're going to post about it and talk about it first um, so if you want to access to that look for the link to sign up for that in our video description below and the code to get that 30-day free trial for first-time users is ndyt all right well let's kind of do a real quick notre dame reset and then we're going to um, start with the news of the day real quick and then get into the national championship stuff so notre dame Finished the season at 10 and 3. They moved up one spot in the final AP poll from 15th to 14th. 
That's the seventh straight time Notre Dame has finished in the top 20. They finished one spot below their preseason ranking. And as I mentioned, they start winter workouts and spring semester classes a week from today. And the news of today was Notre Dame picked up a seventh transfer portal commitment. This one comes from Jaden Harrison, a 5'11", 195-pound wide receiver and kick returner, really known more for his kick returning than wide receiving skills, though he can do both and had a pretty good year with both. He's from Marshall University, started his career at Vanderbilt. This will be his sixth and final season of college football. He was the number two kickoff return man in all of uh, the FBS this year at 30.7 yards per return. That's on 23 returns, so pretty good sample size. He returned two for touchdowns, and he's been a pretty good return man. Even when he was a retro freshman at Vanderbilt, he was a pretty solid return man, and that was against SEC special teams. Uh, So a couple years at Vanderbilt, three years at Marshall, and now his final year will be at Notre Dame, um, 28 catches for a little over 400 yards. He averaged 14.6 per catch. That was actually a career high for him and one touchdown this year. If you're wondering, wow, I wonder if he was one of those bratty Marshall guys that helped in the 26-21 upset. Yeah, he was. He had three catches for 38 yards. Didn't return a kickoff, oddly, in that game. I think Notre Dame kicked away from him, but uh, he was tied for their leading receiver in that game in the upset in Marcus Freeman's home debut at Notre Dame Stadium. So, um, Tyler, do you want to add anything on Jaden before we move on to the national championship game and its implications? Yeah, I, I think just quickly, I know we've we talked a lot about Notre Dame adding a, a third receiver to its transfer portal class. Um, this one isn't going to get the same sort of attention that the others uh, have um, in Chris Mitchell from FIU um, and Bo Collins from Clemson. And maybe not get as much attention as some of the other guys that Notre Dame has pursued or, or looked into or hosted for visits. But I think one of the har- harder parts about this part where, where Notre Dame got to in the wide receiver recruiting in the portal is that you can't bring in everyone who thinks they're going to be a number one, right? Like you can't have four number one receivers next season. And obviously Notre Dame likes some of the talent it has, but I think getting someone like Jaden Harrison in here that can both impact special teams and the wide receiver group with his experience, um, but also not be necessarily peeved if he's not getting 10 catches a game. Like, I I think that's, I think that's uh, sort of an ideal fit for Notre Dame. So the, the hope is he can impact both aspects of the of the game there when it when you're talking about offense and special teams um but i think uh um there's there's stuff to like here but it's, it's certainly not like a necessarily a groundbreaking transfer portal addition but i think it is a a useful one for another Dame. okay we're going to circle back to that in a, a little bit um in our next segment we're going to start off here our opening drive with the Michigan Wolverines winning 34-13 to last night in Houston over Washington to win the national championship. Um, first of all, Tyler, I think you probably predicted Michigan. I know I picked Washington. And when I look at the, the team statistical profiles, I do scratch my head on why I picked Washington. I think mm. it's because 
my eye test all year told me Washington was going to be competitive and it could have been a competitive game, but um, it got away from them uh, late and then Michigan just kind of poured it on. But you look at their statistical profile and I always talk about there's five certain metrics and Washington checked one of those five boxes and they were awful in some of those categories. Mm-hmm. Michigan resoundingly checked four out of the five. The one that they didn't check was rushing offense. I was surprised that they were only 54th in the country in rushing offense. Every time I saw them, I saw Blake Corn running over people. So hmm. maybe they just, um, you know, because they were up in games, just kind of eased back on the offense a little bit and didn't run up the yards quite as much in the second halves of games. Or maybe Iowa's defense did something to them. I don't know. But I should have picked Michigan. Yeah, well, I, I picked Washington as well. I was on the Washington hype train. I thought I didn't I didn't think I mean, if you watched it, if you're looking back on the game last night, I think Michigan's offense was kind of what we expect, or at least what I expected it to be in that one that could run the football and maybe was a little bit limited in terms of making big plays in the passing game. Um, really struggled on third and fourth down. Um, I think Sharon Moore had made some pretty good play calls in those situations against Alabama, but that didn't seem to um, follow through against the Washington defense. Um, I just didn't think Michigan would be able to slow down Washington's offense as much as it did. And I mean, it was a perfect storm for Michigan in the way it gets up in the game early um, by running the football. Uh, so that's that's exactly what Michigan wanted to do. It gets the big plays in, in the running game. Um, and then you would, I think there, there's many people that thought, oh no, here we go again, another blowout, uh, championship game, but Michigan wasn't able to keep that going. Washington recovered, was able to slow down Michigan's running game for a while there. Um, and, uh, Washington just was sort of creeping its way back and then just sort of ran out of gas. I think Michael Penix was, got beat up more than he probably has been throughout the entire season behind the Joe Moore award winning offensive line. Um, and, and even when he wasn't getting sacked or even getting hit, it seemed like he was being impacted by Michigan's rushing attack. And they just weren't able to hit on some of those big plays. There was the one, I think it was a fourth down conversion attempt where it was a wide open receiver and he just threw it one way when the receiver thought he was going to go the other way. Um, And I think it's probably one of Penix's worst games of the season. Um, And I, I think he threw up some balls that I think at times throughout the season that those Washington receivers made those plays, but Michigan's secondary is probably better than any secondary that uh, Washington had seen in the Pac-12 this season, uh, and uh, that that went uh, played a big role in, in in Michigan being able to hold off Washington there in the national championship game. Yeah, that pass rush coming up the middle sometimes too. Mm-hmm. There was a play where Herb Street kind of illustrated it, where he ended up throwing to the tight end, and it wasn't a very big gain. But had he had another second, there was a wide receiver that was going to open up right. deep that he could have hit. And I think that was the difference. But kudos to Michigan. Um, and so I get the first place I want to go with this does as we kind of look at things, and Michigan was put together a lot different than some of the recent champions uh in recent years. And so this is what a lot of people are talking about on Twitter today, and I'll ask you, does Michigan's roster construction 
offensive and defensive philosophies, coaching and recruiting patterns culminating in a national championship make you feel better about the path Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame are on? Um, in that, that list of things, I mean, we can go one by one. The, the list so of let's things. Let's go with uh, offensive and defensive philosophy first. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's it. I mean, if Marcus Freeman was building the kind of team he would want to win a national championship, I think it would probably look a lot like that Michigan team, right? I, uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe a little bit better in the passing game. I think even Michigan would probably like to be better in the passing yeah. game, but, um, offensive and defense, I mean, offensive and defensive line led program. That's, that's Marcus Freeman's motto. Um, and that's exactly what Michigan was. Even, even when Michigan's offensive line suffered some setbacks with some injuries on the offensive line, it was still able to come through. Um, I think the offensive creativity, even though Michigan runs the ball a lot, they do a lot of different things on offense to confuse the defense um, and take advantage of those things, um, doing unbalanced lines, um, running different tight end sets, um, doing a lot of shifting and and and, and motion um, to allow your offense to get a better sense of what you're looking at on the defensive side and confuse the defense as well. I think those are all things that that Notre Dame should want to sort of implement in its in its offense um, and then defense. I, I I'm not sure. Other than, like I it seems like Michigan's defense is kind of the ideal defense. Like I, I, what else would you want from their defense that they didn't show? I mean, I think people could say, well, they didn't they didn't get challenged enough throughout the season to say that like this is an all time defense out of Michigan, but they were pretty good against everything and had talent at every level. Um, I think, I think the alignment with Notre Dame is there sort of like an NFL influenced defensive scheme, um, with all the sort of back and forth that Notre, or Michigan has had with the Ravens, with John Harbaugh and Jim Harbaugh coaching staffs, um, with Jesse Minter, um, as the defensive coordinator. Um, and, uh, I, I think a lot of when you see analysts breaking down the, the real nitty gritty X's and O's stuff that the defense is doing, You'll see them talk about how the how the Ravens and what Michigan does are, are very similar. It's very NFL style defense and trying to confuse um, the offense and in, in what it's doing. And I think that's something we've seen a bit from Al Golden as well. And I think that's what uh, we'll continue to see from Notre Dame moving forward. Um, the recruitment, uh, the way that no- Michigan goes about recruiting, would you say Notre Dame? The way they recruit is encouraging. Do they recruit similarly, recruit similar type of players, similar type territories? Um, yeah, I think I think it is pretty similar. I mean, Michigan recruits fairly nationally as well, to like like Notre Dame. Michigan doesn't recruit at the highest level all the time. Uh, I, I, I pulled Michigan's recruiting class rankings from everyone that would have been on the team from this past season, so going back to 2018. Um, for some of the obviously you have some sixth year seniors there, but uh, in 2018, Michigan had the 24th ranked class, 2019, 10th ranked, 2020, 11th ranked, um, 2021, 10th ranked, 2022, 9th ranked, 2023, 18th ranked. And so those are all rivals class rankings for every year. Um, and I, so I think that's a little bit encouraging for Notre Dame fans who say, well, we keep being right, right there on the edge of the top 10. We're not elite recruiting. We never have a chance because of that. I think Michigan sort of shows you like, well, no, this is possible, but I think it's worth noting, like Michigan is an aberration, right? Like you don't see a Michigan type team that recruits at that level 
winning national championships on a regular basis. Now, maybe they will start doing that moving forward. I don't think that's the case, and that certainly wouldn't be something that Notre Dame fans would want to see. But I think that this shows you that it is possible. It's not an impossible mountain to reach with this sort of recruiting uh, level. And I think I, those those rankings that I've cited, like I think Notre Dame can continue to push higher than that under Marcus Freeman, and his investment in recruiting I think is probably at a higher level than Michigan's has at times. Uh, Michigan has an extra advantage in being that there's a lot more talent in the state of Michigan um, that it can recruit um, with a little bit more ease compared to like Indiana for Notre Dame. Obviously Notre Dame's going to try and go up in Michigan too, but um, it's going to continue to be hard um, when you're going head to head with Michigan. If, if, if Michigan really wants a kid out of Michigan. So coaching differences. Um, I mean, obviously Harbaugh is a lot more experienced than Marcus at this point. And then you look at the assistant coaches. So let's look at all that in totality. How much difference, I mean, is there with assistant coach quality? Do you think it's pretty comparable? Um, I don't know. I, I think for everything that Mike Denbrock has been, like I don't know that there's a hotter coaching name than Sharon Moore, right? I mean, I mean, I think you could say in terms of like offensive creativity, like you would go to Ryan Grubbs or um, other guys that are offensive coordinators across the country. But to do what he's done as both an offensive line coach and offensive coordinator, that's not – there aren't a lot of guys out there like him. So it's hard to sort of compare him to what Notre Dame has in any sort of way. Um, is he a better O-line coach than Joe Rudolph? I, I think right now it seems like he may be, but I think Joe Rudolph has a longer track record um, and the potential to to be just as good of an offensive line coach as he has. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's a mix of – inexperience and uh and youth and also some experience so I, I i don't see major differences in the coaching staff other than at the head coaching position um yeah and certainly i think you could say certainly obviously the length of resume with jesse minter and al golden they're they're pretty significantly different in age um but they have sort of the experience at both levels now with the nfl and um at uh, the, the college level certainly but um so I think their coaching staffs are pretty similar. I don't know that there's massive gas between there, other, other than like I said, at the head coaching spot with with Jim Harbaugh, obviously have had having had success um, as a head coach previously and plenty of experience. Whereas Marcus Freeman is still still learning there how to, how he wants to run a program and how how to best impact games on on, a, on game day. So if you stacked all the pieces of the program that we just talked about, and and let's look at players. Like there's been times where we've looked at a playoff and we said, well, Notre Dame doesn't have the quarterback that these other teams do, mm -hmm. or they don't have the speed at the skill positions. We've said that before. When we look at Michigan and Notre Dame now, what would be the difference? Is it quarterback? Is it, which is, would be ironic. Is it some other position group where you think Michigan has an edge offensive line? Maybe. Yeah, I, I do think in totality, Michigan's offensive line has been better the last few seasons than Notre Dame. Um, I, I mean, Michigan won the Joe Moore Award twice um, because it, it had such a vaunted offensive line prior to this season. So and I they think, played pretty well without 
Zinner's older brother. Yeah, Zach Zinner, uh, who I think arguably was their best offensive lineman going throughout this season until he was hurt. Um, so yeah, I do. I think quarterback plays certainly is some of it. I mean, there's no reason that Sam Hartman couldn't have done what JJ McCarthy did like last night, right? I mean, I think the offense worked in a way that allowed took a lot of pressure off JJ McCarthy, and I don't think he did a lot to impact the game in 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 Michigan's favor. One um, one sequence though, I will give him credit way more credit than, and that's when Michigan was backed up near its goal line and he had that third down run and then he had another run. Right. I thought that was that was something. I know Hartman had the one against Duke, but right, I don't, yeah, you I can don't point think, to the one against Duke, right? But, yeah, but I don't think Hartman typically makes that play. Right. Yeah, I think he's probably a better athlete than than Sam Hartman is, um, and has shown to be. Um, JJ McCarthy is just an interesting, interesting study too, because he makes some throws you're like, wow. And then he makes some throws you're like, what is he doing? And so, like, I think he's he's one of those perplexing perplexing quarterbacks that I think many people don't really know how to peg him. Um, and it's uh, obviously there's the added wrinkle if he could have ended up at Notre Dame, if Notre Dame really pursued him potentially. Um, so I think there's some of that. I do think Michigan has done a pretty good job of like getting NFL draft like getting very high end, like NFL draft talent um, and maximizing guys through a strength and conditioning program, which I think Notre Dame has been in that neighborhood. I think Michigan maybe have, has had a slighter edge there with sort of the, some of these guys that you're like, who's ma- like Mason Graham. No one in California really wanted him. And then he comes to, he comes to uh, Michigan and all of a sudden he's awesome in his first two seasons. Um, so I, I think there's, um, there is some of that on Notre Dame's roster too, though. I mean, obviously we talk about Joe Walt, Xavier Watts. Those are guys that um, were three-star talents that ended up um, transcending where they ended up, um, what what they ended up being uh, rated as um, or ranked as um, coming into Notre Dame. So um, I think there's a lot of similarities there. Is there any noticeable differences you think, Eric, between like what Michigan has done and what Notre Dame wants to do? No, but I do think in the big games, Michigan didn't. Michigan stayed true to its numbers. Like they were a good defense mm-hmm. against everybody. You know, it wasn't like they they got. I mean, yeah, Alabama scored some more points, and Ohio State scored some more points, but it wasn't like their defense was reeling. They still ended the year as the number one defense in the country, and they were in the top five and all those categories. Whereas Notre Dame in their losses, they were such a different team in those losses, especially offensively and with turnovers. The other thing was Michigan absolutely never beat Michigan. They were number one in the country in turnover margin, right? number one in fewest penalties. And I think that's, you know, interesting to me to, to, to where I think Notre Dame can jump up to that level. And I think Michigan had some fortune in who they faced when they faced. I think, I think uh, Rajon mentioned this over in the comments that Georgia would have given them a better game. I think Georgia probably did match up better against Michigan than Washington did. But mm-hmm. um, I think quarterback and offensive line is where Notre Dame still has ways to go in big games, in big games, you know, and again, I'm not faulting necessarily Sam Hartman. I think 
I put a lot of that on the offensive coordinator who's not here anymore. I guess we'll see next year if, mm-hmm. if that there's a, a difference with that. But I think there will be. Let me. Uh, I'm going to grab a couple of the, just a couple okay. of the comments from the folks that chimed in on what they thought some of the differences was or keys for Michigan. Chris Wawriorka, apologies for how I say your last name because it's probably not right, Uh, mentioned that uh, Michigan secondary tackled well. I would agree with that. Michael Park said up the middle on D is where Notre Dame needs to be bigger. Um, I I can see that. Um, I think Notre Dame is trying to with its recruiting. If you look at uh, Sean Sevillano um, and Davion Dixon, Sevillano is a 24 defensive tackle that is signed with Notre Dame. Dixon is a 2025 commit signed to note or commit verbally committed to Notre Dame um, to have some bigger size where certainly you like what Howard Cross has done and his development within the program, but he doesn't have the size of someone like Kenneth Grant, who's just like a, a physical freak who happens to actually be from Maryville, Indiana um, and uh, has really played well for Michigan. Um, and Chris also said, Chris W, uh, <laughs> give myself the shortcut as it said, Michigan plays tougher in his opinion. So, um, I think, uh, I want to just throw those in before we moved on. If we had something else we want to talk about. Right. Um, so here, here's a fun hypothetical. Uh, let, let's look at JJ McCarthy who finished in the top 10 in passing efficiency now in team pass efficiency. Notre Dame's backup was better than Michigan's whoever backs up there because Notre Dame actually in team pass efficiency finished ahead of Michigan by one spot, which I thought was interesting. And if you actually look at blind resumes of statistics, of especially the key statistics, rush offense, rush defense, pass efficiency, turnover margin, and total defense, and you looked at the four playoff teams in Notre Dame, you would think that Notre Dame was the second best of those teams Um, because in those, but again, in those three big games, they were awful in, in most of those categories, Mm -hmm. Um, which is what they have to solve is, is being big game. Good. Um, So, um, but, but my hypothetical is had Tommy Reese been infatuated with JJ McCarthy rather than Tyler Buckner, does Notre Dame's history change or not necessarily? Um, I'm in the camp that it doesn't necessarily. I mean, the, the history changes certainly um, because like Sam Hartman probably doesn't ever come to Notre Dame, right? I mean, the 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 ways Notre Dame seasons played out um, with the personnel would be different, but I, I don't know. I don't know that J.J. McCarthy, I mean, maybe people would disagree that cover Michigan that would have more insight that he was the catalyst for a lot of this. I think he was given a pretty um, favorable job and position with everything that's around him and just like, don't mess this up. Um, But I think, yeah, I think there's probably a lot of intangible things that it seems like he's given Michigan in terms of his leadership. I think that athletic ability that you mentioned, um, that he's able to make some plays with his legs um, has been important for Michigan. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know that I totally would buy that Notre Dame's the one playing for the national championship last night. If, if JJ McCarthy comes to Notre Dame rather than Tyler Buckner, um, 
I don't know. Maybe maybe Tommy Reese doesn't leave if he. But I, I don't know. Did he? Would he? Would he have chosen JJ McCarthy going into this season over Sam Hartman going into the season? I I don't know. I think um, certainly the, the the variables and possibilities of what could have ended up happening are 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 vast in terms of what could happen if JJ McCarthy came here. But I don't I don't know that it would have moved the needle enough. I, he wouldn't have receivers. Like now maybe like. Maybe the receiving, th- maybe JJ McCarthy attracts more receivers sooner to Notre Dame than Notre Dame's been able was able to do um, with its quarterback situation. But um, that's how I feel about it. What do you think, Eric? I I don't know that it markedly changes. I think Brian Kelly would still be the head coach, and I still think they probably go out and get Jack Cohn, and then I think JJ McCarthy is probably Tyler Buckner. In that, I, I still think they go with two quarterbacks then. And and JJ McCarthy is doing some of the running that Tyler Buckner did in the 20th. And that was Michigan did that a little bit with Cade McNamara with, with JJ McCarthy yeah. early in his career. So so I could see I could see that happening. And then in 2022, that would have been the that would have been where there might have been a difference made had JJ McCarthy stayed healthy all season and it wasn't turned over to Drew Pine. Maybe Marcus's season goes better. Maybe it doesn't. Um, I would have think I would think JJ McCarthy would would have made at least a win or two difference here or there. And and I hate to say that because I like Drew Pine a lot as a competitor and a guy that gave everything to Notre Dame. But I just think that when I look at these teams and the ones that are the most difficult to defend that running dimension or that footwork dimension I think is important. And that's one of the reasons why I'm excited about Riley Leonard uh, because he's as good at that part of it as anybody. Now he's got to get better at throwing the ball accurately, but he's got the running part down. He gives you that dimension that really solves some problems. And when defenses get, you know, start loading the box on you and so forth. It's and different blitzes and pressures. He's going to be an interesting weapon. So, yeah, I I think 2022 might have gone a little bit different for Notre Dame. I'm not sure about this year and whether they would have gone out and got Sam Hartman or how that would have worked. I guess it would have depended on how well they did 2022. Last thing in this segment, do you think Jim Harbaugh stays or goes? Uh, I think he's gone, right? I, I it would be unless no one in the NFL wants him. Um, I would I would have to imagine that he he's gone. Um, I think Michigan probably wouldn't be terribly upset about that. And then they could just sort of pin all the counter stallion stuff on them and hope hope the NCAA leaves him alone after that. But um, I I don't know. I, I it just he's always seemed to want to leave um, and just hasn't found the right opportunity. And I, I it would be I would be hard pressed to imagine that. Someone in the NFL isn't going to be isn't going to want to take Jim Harbaugh, so I, I think he's gone. Okay, so do we want to take some questions before we go to the next segment, which is getting on to unfinished business with transfer portal and what's going to be happening in winter workouts? Yeah, um, yeah. Let's let's go through some questions here. Um, jo- Joseph Kurligan Jr. asked, "Do you think with Michigan winning the national championship?" Could this be enough to schedule Notre Dame versus Michigan again annually? I don't think either one of them have the incentive to do that. 
-hmm. given that the 12 team playoff. And I just, again, with that new conference affiliation, she's seen Michigan's schedule next year. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Michigan's got a tough one. It's like Washington, Texas, Oregon, Ohio state. It's, I don't know that they want to add Notre Dame to that mix. Um, So no, I, I don't think that they will. They have a series scheduled pretty far out into the future, don't they, Tyler? It's like in the 2030 somewhere. Yeah, and it's just like a two-game series, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's two games Yeah, well, well into the future. I don't think you'll, unless the ACC falls apart, I don't think we'll ever see Big Ten teams like Purdue, Michigan State, and Michigan on the schedule every year like they used to. Yeah, it's 2033 and 2034. <laughs> who, had, who has any idea if those games are actually going to happen? But those were those were scheduled uh, at some point. But I think everything – I mean, who knows what the Big Ten Conference looks like? Who knows what Notre Dame's affiliation is at that point? Um, there's so much that can change between now and then. Um, but the yeah, Sports I, writers will be getting NIL money in the 2030s. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think Michigan winning a national championship becomes uh, – um, like an impetus to get them back on the schedule. And again, if they were, it it's pretty far down the road. I mean, they're just filling holes in the schedule in the 2020s right now. They're not scheduling series and so forth. So they're scheduling out into the middle 2030s right now. All right. Um, a couple questions about Al Golden here. Jeffrey St- Stevens asked, well, Alabama's looking for a new defensive coordinator. Is Golden going to get a call, and Rajon asks Eric, how optimistic are you that Golden sticks around? I'm more optimistic than I was that Al Golden will stick around, and I'm way more optimistic that he wouldn't leave for another college job. I think he really likes Notre Dame. If he's going to leave, he'll leave for an NFL defensive coordinator job. Yeah, and Roosevelt Carney just asked, why should Golden stay? I think there's a lot of money that is being thrown Al Golden's way from Notre Dame to stay. I think he likes um, the ability – I think he likes the association with Notre Dame and the, the student-athletes that he gets to coach. Um, and he has a lot of successful players on this Notre Dame defense that came back for next season um, that uh, are, are another enticement for him to to stick at Notre Dame. So I think there's there's plenty of reasons that Al Golden wants to would potentially want to stick at Notre Dame. And, and I mean, just statistically what he did this year, Notre Dame was fifth in the country in the final total defense rankings. Only once since Arrow retired after the 74 season has Notre Dame been higher, and that was 1980. They were fourth. They won the pass efficiency defense title, so they were number one in pass efficiency defense. And counter to what Twitter said today, that wasn't invented in 2013. That stat's been around since 1990. Notre Dame never won the pass efficiency defense title before. And back when it was calculated differently by just passing yards, goes all the way back to 1937. Notre Dame's never won in either of those formats pass defense. They won it this year. And that's pretty remarkable given some of the quarterbacks that they faced. All right, we got one one question about Jaden Harrison, so let's use that to sort of segue into our discussion of transfer portal and um, unfinished business. I think is how you had termed it. Uh, Jeff Jeffrey Stephen asked, "Do you expect Jaden Harrison to return punts? Also, how often do you see him lining up at wide receiver?" I um, 
I don't expect him to return punts because I think Jordan Faison is really good at that, but I think he'll go in the gong show where they look at everybody. And really with kickoffs, you know, Marshall as a team was third. Now that includes when they kicked away from Harrison. Yeah. Notre Dame was fourth. Jadarian Price at the end of the year returning kickoffs was so good. He boosted Notre Dame up to fourth in the country and kickoff return. So um, they're going to have s- some really good options at both. And uh, they did pretty well. Notre Dame was 24th in the country in punt return average this year. As far as how often will he line up at wide receiver? Boy, there's a lot of competition. Um, but with his speed, it's going to be interesting to see what Mike Denbrock and Mike Brown can get out of him. Mm-hmm. Because that field receiver spot is wide open for somebody to grab and and to fill that rotation over there. So you've got 11 wide receivers right now. Um, the fact that he didn't have more catches for Marshall kind of makes me tap the brakes a little bit with it. But right. again, I mean, I'd take an elite kickoff return guy that averages 30 yards a return any day. Yeah, yeah, I think he'll have to earn his opportunities at wide receiver. Um, I think when you lose someone like a Chris Tyree, I think it makes a it makes sense to bring someone like Jaden Harrison in. I think sort of maybe similar um, and not big guys, um, and maybe their best position is slot, but maybe they can do some things outside of the slot. Um, and with Jordan Faison on the roster, certainly that wasn't your top need, the slot receiver and Jaden Greathouse and Jaden Thomas for that matter. I think all those guys can play different roles in the slot. Um, but I think uh, he'll be in the mix and we'll see how it all plays out. I think, I think anyone that thinks they know what is going to happen next season as it relates to wide, wide receiver rotation probably is, is guessing more than anything. I mean, Mike, they got a new coach and everything. I don't, I don't know how you could confidently say what that rotation is going to look like um, eight months from now. Right, they've got eleven wide receivers and six newcomers, including the three freshmen. So, and KK Smith is pretty much a newcomer since he played just a handful of snaps in the right. Sun Bowl this year. Okay, so we are moving on to ongoing business or unfinished business ahead of spring semester with winter workouts. So, Jane was the seventh transfer that ties a program record do we expect anybody else to jump aboard before everything gets going next tuesday yeah i mean there's there's certainly potential for rod hurd the second to to join notre dame's transfer portal hall uh he's a northwestern defensive back who visited this past weekend um he's visited michigan michigan state and notre dame um and those are what i would consider his finalists unless something changes um, I think he, he, he'll he end up at one of those three schools. Um, a productive career. He played a lot of nickelback at Northwestern. Um, and I think – and Notre Dame has, has been looking at him as a potential safety. That is where Notre Dame has a need. Now, maybe something changes up and they say, you know what, Hurd's better at nickelback than Clark's better at safety. Then they can flip-flop those guys, Clark being Jordan Clark, the Arizona State grad transfer. Um, and so that is the – at least at this point, the last name we're watching for a potential ad before the spring semester for Notre Dame. Um, uh, things can change, but that visit window has closed now where they can get guys on campus um, for visits. 
Uh, and um, that's that's all that is that happened this past weekend, to my knowledge. Um, so the the that's the last sort of wait and see. I mean, uh, Jamal Banks was the is the wide receiver who visited a, a while back, and I don't believe he's made a decision in terms of where he's going. Um, but I don't think he has a spot at Notre Dame anymore. So um, Rod Hurd is the last name to watch there. Is there anything I didn't mention about Hurd? Do you think it's worth mentioning? Just that um, the classes are starting soon. Like Michigan State started yesterday, Monday. Mm. Michigan starts tomorrow. Notre Dame starts next Tuesday. Now they'll let you in and start. I think Blake Groupie was in the first week. He wasn't in the first day. Yeah, especially as a grad student, I think it's probably extra flexible. (laughs) Right. It's a a little bit more flexible. But again, I think this is a decision that he's going to turn around pretty soon. He that was a whirlwind. He didn't. He entered the portal like the day before Notre Dame played in the Sun Bowl, so which was December twenty eighth. So was the day that he entered. So he wasn't in very long. Nor was Jaden Harrison in very long. He entered January fourth. So, and Chris uh, W said, "What's Tuesday?" And I think you. I think you. I think he's referring to you talking about Tuesday next week. That's when Notre Dame's spring semester starts. Spring semester and then winter workouts, they'll get introduced to Lauren Landau and maybe they won't start right on Tuesday, but he'll let them know what's expected and then they'll get going that week. So yeah, next Tuesday is the first day of spring semester classes. So um, Notre Dame's lost some of their analysts and so forth. And Marcus always likes to upgrade when he loses coaches or analysts and so forth. A lot of those guys are getting full-time head coaching jobs. They were kind of developmental guys. What do you think? Do you, do you like the fact that he hires a lot of developmental guys or do you think he needs to have more of a blend of older analysts? Um, I, I mean, I think it'd be nice to have some experience in those roles. Uh, it just sort of depends on what you look at. I think – Previously, I would have said, yes, on the offensive side, you need some experience in your analyst roles because your offensive coordinator doesn't have that. Um, but with Mike Denbrock coming in, it's like, well, sure, that might be a value as well, but he has plenty of experience. It's not like he's le- he needs to learn about stuff that happened in college football years ago. I, and so I would sort of lean towards the other way. It's like maybe there's other fresh perspectives that you could get around them, uh, get around Mike Denbrock. Um, and the offensive coaching staff, that would be a value. It usually ends up being some sort of connection to somebody on staff or a connection of a connection. That's, I mean, that's not that vastly different than how a lot of the business world works, but especially in the coaching world, um, people that you trust and that you know are reliable and dependable are going to be towards the top of the candidate list there. So um, I would like to see some sort of bright ideas and new perspectives being added in those roles. And I, I can run through a couple of those guys that have left senior offensive analyst Caleb Carbine um, and senior offensive analyst Kevin Reiner both went to Troy followed Jared Parker down there um, and I believe they were brought in after Parker was promoted to offensive coordinator and had ties to Parker folks Parker had worked with previously um, Ronnie Regula um, was hired he's a se- he was a senior defensive analyst who'd been at Notre Dame for a few years now he was hired as New Mexico State's tight ends coach and special teams coordinator then Caleb Davis a recruiting associate who worked closely with Chad Bowden um, has gone to uh, Troy as uh, their director of player personnel. 
I would like to see the hope that whoever told Marcus that he should have had Audric Estime go down on the one yard line at Duke and kick the <laughs> field goal, that that person is not on staff anymore. Because Marcus listened to him or wanted to listen to him. So, okay, last thing we had um, Ryan Harris on our Inside Andy Sports podcast last week. Had a lot of fun talking to him about offensive line stuff. But the cool thing was that he had a long association with Lauren Landau, the new director of football performance for Notre Dame, which is a fancy name for strength and conditioning coordinator. Um, What was maybe your biggest takeaway from Ryan Harris's rousing endorsement from his seven-year association with Lauren? Yeah, I think he he was very – well, I think overall it's just the confidence. Like he didn't seem to have any sort of skepticism at all, yeah. which I mean, I guess that's maybe to be expected for someone that you have a personal relationship with that Ryan Harris did, um, but a professional one as well. Um, and so I think he just feels very confident in what he's going to be able to bring to Notre Dame's program and his ability to adapt to the challenges of being a college strength and conditioning coach versus being in the NFL um, and using some of that experience he had from helping guys prepare for the combine and relating to the players that are younger um, and some of the stuff we talked about with like injury prevention and, and the health of the athlete and the different aspects that he looks at in terms of like prioritizing specific things for guys, I think is, is very positive. Was there anything that I didn't touch on there that stuck out to you? No, I, I thought he, he gave him a rousing endorsement and, and Ryan was a standout for Notre Dame on the offensive line, played a long time in the NFL, primarily with the Denver Broncos, and that's where their association was together. But I think that continued once Ryan wasn't playing anymore. Um, So, yeah, he was pretty fired up about it. My concern still is how much Matt Bayless shaped culture at Notre Dame Mm-hmm. And if there's a void there, or if that's picked up by other people, or if this is something Lauren has ideas about, that I mean, obviously Marcus would have brought that up in a job interview, so he must feel pretty good about it. But I mean, Marcus had some things that he was excited about in terms of not only being a guy that really could direct things from a team standpoint, but really tailor some individual things, position specific or individual specific routines and regimens that he seemed to be really excited about. So we'll see. I'm I'm really eager to meet him and mm-hmm. ask him some of those questions, and we'll see how it goes. I'll, we'll see if he has a raspy voice. <laughs> That's so, important. Okay, we're going to move on to recruiting unless you want to hit the question. Uh, no, the the questions I have queued up are, are recruiting-related, so we can hit hit the recruiting, and I'll throw them in as we, as we go. Okay, so – Notre Dame got a couple of verbal commitments very recently, one from Ethan Long, uh, safety from Connecticut, Christopher Burgess Jr., a defensive end from Chicago. That came on Saturday. Before we talk about them individually, Notre Dame has the number one class right now in 2025, and there's a Junior Day event coming up this month. So, What's the significance of Notre Dame having a number one 2025 recruiting class at this point? Is it something to get excited about or is it, ah, it's too early? Uh, well, I think, I think both, honestly. Okay. Uh, I think it's something to be excited about and something that you can continue to build on and continue to sell with other recruits. 
Um, but it also is too early. I mean, Notre Dame has 13 commitments now. Um, and so that is playing a, a lot, a big role in its ability to have the number one class because the way the rankings works on rivals is that it takes the top 20 commits in your class. Um, and so you're going to, you're going to have a better chance of being towards the top. If you have more commitments, um, I think, uh, it seems like much of the same for Notre Dame, like, like Notre Dame has been pretty fr- at, seem like routinely like towards the top of the, the cycle of like a year in advance. And then other teams sort of catch up to Notre Dame and Notre Dame slowly drops down in the top 10. Um, the key, the ideal would be to drop few to mitigate that drop um, as the cycle goes on. Um, but I think uh, it's a reflection of like the way that Notre Dame has been the, op- the recruiting operation that Notre Dame has put into place. They, they, they put themselves in position to have these fast starts they have confidence, confidence in their evaluations. Um, they're taking guys that sometimes, I mean, rivals will sometimes not even have a ranking for a guy or be a three-star guy. Um, and rivals are Notre Dame doesn't care that much that much about that because they're of the belief that we hey, we know where we're at with this kid and his evaluation, that these other recruiting sites will catch up and realize the talent that we've sort of evaluated here. Um, and I, I think that um shows a lot in terms of where Notre Dame is at. And I think sometimes people are like, Oh, why did they take so-and-so? And then he ends up being a big time recruiter. I think Bryce young is someone, I think people weren't as worried about Bryce young because of his bloodlines. It's I think if you're going to take a, if you're going to take a flyer on a guy, take yeah. a flyer on Brian young's kid, but he wasn't necessarily a proven recruit at the time. Notre Dame started pushing for Bryce young. Um, and he has continued to um, impress even this past week at the, uh, All-American Bowl down in San Antonio. So uh, I think having Deuce Knight in the class is a, is a difference maker for Notre Dame. He's going to continue to help recruit for, for the Irish. Um, and it seems like Notre Dame is being more aggressive across the country in certain areas, whether it's the South, um, but also in somewhere like the Chicago area. They're, they're pushing for guys there, um, which they haven't always, and they've maybe been a little bit more hesitant to, to, to do that. Um, but they're pushing ahead with guys um, including Christopher Burgess Jr., one of Notre Dame's most recent commitments. So Ethan Long is six foot two safety, and it's interesting. I was talking to Tom Lemming, who's been doing this since he's he's been doing it since Bryant Young was a little boy, uh, <laughs> and uh, he actually had him as an All American. So he's he's had a couple of generations of guys, and he really likes Ethan Long. And actually compared him to Kyle Hamilton um, because he's got pretty good length. He's not as tall as Kyle. Kyle's a pretty solid 6'4". But Mm -hmm. it it also seems, Tyler, that Notre Dame is really doing a good job of identifying and pulling guys out of the Northeast Corridor now. You know, guys in Massachusetts. And they're turning out to be pretty good players. Mm -hmm. And And – we talked about Michigan and the parallels with Michigan. Michigan d- does a lot of that too. And I think maybe, I don't, I don't know if that's related in any way. Notre Dame has tried to do that at times. I think some of Brian Kelly's Northeast roots sort of led Notre Dame in that direction previously. But now I think, um, especially with some of these boarding schools where guys are playing um, and getting Notre Dame feels like they're getting developed. Um, even with a guy like Will Black, who's originally from Canada, but came down, um, to play for a Connecticut boarding school and Notre Dame is like, Hey, we want, we want that kid. He's got, he's a great athlete. Notre Dame wasn't alone in that either. These, 
I think this is it's been an area that I think a lot of some of these Big Ten teams have focused, and then I think even some some schools in the South have started to, to pay attention to a little bit more as well. And then Chris Burgess. Um, <laughs> wow. I mean, I, I had a chance to talk to him this summer. I was super impressed with him. 16-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. He looks like he's 22. And, so, um, and sounds like he's 50. He's got, he's, yeah, yeah, <laughs> he does. He does, but very mature. He's got very a very grounded, deep voice for anyone who hasn't heard of him. Very talk grounded. Like. I mean, he did very well on the summer camp circuit. Yes. And that's where you saw his ranking shoot up to a top 100 type guy. So, where do we see his future? Viper, big end, inside? I think I think he's a big end initially, and then maybe he transitions inside. I don't see him as a viper. Um, he's not that type of athlete, um, but he does have some good speed for a, a strong side defensive end. Um, so I think that's where he'll he'll start for Notre Dame. Um, he has good size. I think he can work on his explosiveness a little bit and some pass rush moves. But um, I think um, it's certainly a good get. I mean, his finalists were Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, and then he threw an LSU hat in there. Um, yeah. at the announcement. Um, so those th- that's the kind of company that Notre Dame wants to keep um, in in recruiting. Uh, and and so I think that where he's from, being he's from Chicago Simeon, Chicago Public School, um, and who Notre Dame beat for him is, is really significant in that Christopher Burgess commu- uh, commitment. And is it time that I say Al Washington – has something to prove. Is it time for me to say, you know what, he's proven some of that between development and the recruiting in this class, in the 2025 class? Yeah, I think I think he the development was more proven this past season, right? I would I think that's yeah. where we would agree. I think we were on the same page. Like he needs to prove yeah. that going into last season. I think the recruiting is sort of follow, following in line with that too. I think that's um what we're starting to see here. Um now you can't you can't to be a good recruiter, you can't just like have a, a good year, right? You gotta you gotta yeah. continually do it. Um, and so that's where where Al Washington is is striving for um in Notre Dame. Um and it, look, if we look back at the previous class, Bubakar Traore wasn't a guy that we we're like, this kid could be a future stud, right? This he was maybe an afterthought. Why well, that's just Al Washington filling up the class. But one year into Notre Dame's program, I don't know that we feel that way about him. So I think sometimes we might um Maybe we weren't giving him the benefit of the doubt because of the because of the unknown with him, and maybe we'll start to give him more of that benefit of the doubt because of what he has been able to do in in, in a recent stretch here. Before we hit the questions, is Notre Dame still in play for a 2024 recruit? Yeah, Kevin Humes is still someone that Notre Dame is looking to host for an official visit uh, later this month. Uh, he recently um, reclassified from the 2024 from the 2025 class to the 24 class. So that's the only one that Notre Dame is really in the mix for. Um, there could Four be a chance. Four-star cornerback, top yes, 150. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, there could be a chance that he doesn't end up making that visit if he falls in love with another school or something else changes, but that's where things are at now. But that's really the only name to know for Notre Dame unless, I mean, you never really know, right? Things can always change. But um, as of as of, as of – January 9th at 7:57 p.m. Eastern. That's the that's the name to know uh, in the 2024 class that that Notre Dame could still potentially add. Okay, we've got a big question queue here, so let's go to some questions. All right, um, 
Speaking of the junior day, Jeffrey Stevens asked for the upcoming ND junior day. Do you have any news of Notre Dame football alums visiting to help with recruiting? Um, no. Uh, the alums tend to be on campus for like the blue gold game. That's where Notre Dame has put an effort in. They wouldn't necessarily be on a random weekend in January, um, which is when Notre Dame's next recruiting junior day is. It is January 20th. Um, not this coming Saturday, but the one after that. Um, so I don't, I don't expect there to be some massive um, amounts of alums on campus, but maybe, uh, well, I mean, Jerome Bettis Jr. is <laughs> planning to be here. Maybe his dad comes up with, and that's that's a way to get someone on campus uh, that's a Notre Dame football alum, but um, that's where, uh, that's how things are trending in that. Um, Adam Hug asked, who's next to commit? Um I'll, I'm, I'm going to throw this to you first, Eric, if you have a have a name in mind. Who do you think would be the next guy in, Notre Dame, in the 2025 class to commit to Notre Dame? I have no idea. <laughs> well, I gave you a teaser, Jerome Bettis Jr. He's coming back to campus. I think he's a heavy Notre Dame lean. I think we need to I, – I want him to have a vehicle nickname before he's ready to commit. <laughs> okay. So his dad was the boss. He is the – you can't be the you can't be Maserati because that was Marvin Harrison Jr.'s nickname. Lamborghini. So. <laughs> there was a Lamborghini. I can't remember who Lamborghini was, um, but there was some recruit that I remember being referred to as. Lamborghini. Okay, well, if he's the station wagon, that's <laughs> not a good sign about his speed. No, you need a sports car if you're a wide receiver, right? Okay, <laughs> um, okay I'll say Jerome Bettis Jr. Yeah, Jerome Bettis Jr. would be my would be my guess. Um, at this point, I mean, when Notre Dame gets these guys on campus, I think any of them could potentially end up being the next commitment. Um, but he would be the one that I feel most confident with. I think next in line there would be it would be Owen Strebig. Both of those guys are guys that I've had rivals future casts in for Owen Strebig being a four-star offensive tackle out of Wisconsin. Um, and then Chris W asked about the 25 receiver recruits, any top-notch talent. Um, Dalen McCutcheon is a top 100 receiver that is planning to visit Notre Dame for junior day. Uh, Derek Meadows is a four-star receiver that Notre Dame has been in the running for. He's not planning to, uh, visit for the junior day, but that's he's another from Vegas, right? He's from Las Vegas. Yep. Correct. Um, Kobe Howard is a kid from Florida, four-star recruit that Notre Dame has been involved in for a long time. Taylor Taylor is probably the, I think he's Ooh. the next in line, maybe the, the highest, kid. highest rate ranked kid. That Notre Dame's in the mix for a, a, a Chicago area kid, like Eric mentioned. Um, Taz Williams Jr. has been on campus out of Texas, a four-star recruit. So there is talent there that Notre Dame's in the running for. I think it's we're in a sort of with a new wide receivers coach. It'll be interesting to see like where does Notre Dame gain ground or lose ground or prioritize differently. Are there guys that Notre Dame hasn't offered that they'll have a better chance with or that Mike Brown likes more? Um, I think uh, we're we'll see how sort of things develop at that wide receiver position moving forward for Notre Dame. But there is talent out there for sure that Notre Dame has connections to. Those are all the questions I had, Eric. Okay. Uh, let's see here. So with this junior day, Tyler, is this, you, you mentioned maybe this guy commits, maybe Streetbig commits and so forth. Mm -hmm. Is this more about just, Enriching relationships, starting relationships, is that what you get out of a January junior day? Yeah, I think it it depends on the recruit, right? Like I mentioned, Strebig and Bettis. Those guys have been longtime targets who have visited multiple times. This could be this could be the, the end of their recruitment, right? This could be like one last look into everything that Notre Dame has to offer and you say, you know what, I'm ready to commit. 
Or guys could say, you know what? I really enjoyed this, but I just really want to make my official visit. So I'm going to hold off here and wait till we get to the spring uh, to make those official visits and into the summer um, and, and get a jump on that. Uh, so it depends. So like those would be guys that would be candidates, I think, to be potential commitments coming out of that visit. Um, guys like Dalen McCutcheon, who I mentioned, the receiver out of Texas, Jack Lang, an offensive line recruit, um, who's visited once before. But um, I think those kind of visits are more about strengthening relationships than trying to sort of close on that recruitment. Um, most of Notre Dame's commitments will be on campus as well for the junior day. Um, we've been tracking this on the Insider Lounge, so that's a good reason to be subscribed to the names of the commits and targets that we're continuing to report on and confirm that are expected to be here for January 20th. Um, and uh, if you look back at last year's junior day from January, Notre Dame ended up with, I believe, three commitments in the 2024 class. Um, Bronte Johnson, Styles Prescott, and Bryce Young were all here in January of last year and ended up signing with Notre Dame. So the All-American Bowl in San Antonio took place this past weekend. What what was our big takeaway from the Notre Dame recruits down there? I know not everybody was able to play. Yeah, I'll lead off of that. Cam Williams uh, had a minor injury during practice during the week, so he didn't play. Gerby Lambert chose not to play after dealing with an injury towards the end of his season. Um, he didn't he didn't even come down for the practices, but it was he able opted to get, out. Yeah, yeah, he opted out. Um, so the three guys did play: Kingston Villamuasa, Bryce Young. And Kedron Young, Kedron Young, the running back out of Texas, I would say he had probably had the quietest week of the group. Um, I really like his film a lot, though. I ranked him pretty high in my uh, 2024 class rankings um, that I did uh, it last month, I think. Uh, Bryce Young, I think, impressed. Adam Freeman, who's our uh, recruiting analyst based on the East Coast for us, um, has watched Bryce Young throughout his high school career, and he said he, he's looked the best uh, that he's been uh, throughout uh his career. So that uh, was something to do. He didn't necessarily have a great game on Saturday, but had a really good, some good performances in practice. Um, and then Kingston Villiamu Asa really lived up to his five-star rating, which rivals, I think was ahead of the curve on. And I think we might see some others um, join rivals on that. We'll see how that plays out. Not that it necessarily matters because obviously rivals is the only recruiting rankings that matter. Um, but uh all kidding aside, I think he really – he looked the part. If you had a chance to watch the game, I think you can see what the hype has been about with Kingston Villiamuasa. Uh, I like Chris W. said microbus. Even though that doesn't sound fast, I like the <laughs> I like the creativity. A microbus is better than a microtel, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Al had booked us in a couple of those. <laughs> yeah, they are, I mean, seriously tiny rooms. <laughs> I had a suite once, and it was small, and it had <laughs> gum on the floor. Remember that in Philadelphia? I know yeah, I'm getting yeah, way yeah, off yeah. track. Oh, yeah. gosh, we all, like, none of us wanted to take our shoes off. <laughs> all right, Eric, anything else you want to touch before we go? I am I think I'm good unless we have any more questions or any more comments we needed to get to. Um, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> Chris said better than short bus. Yeah, that would not be a good nickname. Oh, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> All well, right, we so appreciate you joining us tonight. And again, we're going to be on Monday night next week. We're going to continue. We're going to go right on through January. And we'll have lots to talk about. We're going to get some. I'll let you guys know that later in January and early February, we're going to get to talk to all the transfers. We're going to get to talk to the incoming freshmen that are here for spring football. 
Uh, so we'll have lots of news throughout January and February leading up until March. Yeah, and if you didn't yet, make sure you like, subscribe to the channel here. Um, check out check out Legacy Heating and Air if you're in the local area. I know they keep Eric warm throughout this winter time. Um, and uh, we are continuing to offer free trials for InsideNDSports.com if you haven't checked this out yet. I think this is, it, it's weird. It, it, one thing ends and then another thing picks up. It's gonna get we're gonna get back into the heat of recruiting here again. So if you want to be on top of that, make sure you subscribe to us at insidendsports.com. If you aren't 30-day free trial with the promo code NDYT. Um, there's a link available in the video description below if you want to join us. Appreciate you guys, all the nice things you say. All right, have a good week. We will see you back here next week and check us out for inside ND Sports podcast on the podcast feed later this week.